As a creator, there's always uncertainty, right? Uncertainty about a post going live and how it'll perform. Uncertainty about whether or not a brand will respond to that pitch that you spent a ton of time on. And, well, uncertainty that these apps that we've built businesses on are even going to exist in the next five and ten years. Have you ever thought about what you would do if Instagram or TikTok completely folded tomorrow? How would you even reach your audience? You know, how would you monetize online? Would you instantly have to go get a job somewhere else? The horror. (laughs) For many, the answer is yes, you would have to go get another job. You wouldn't know how to reach your audience and you would no longer be able to monetize online without starting a completely new business. Obviously, that's something we all need to think about as creators. You know, what does the future look like for us? What other ways can we find to monetize that will support us outside of these apps? For today's guest, that meant starting her own styling business. She turned her love for fashion and style into a profitable business to ensure that she'd be set outside of these apps. I'm Kristen Bousquet, and I've been a full-time creator for over three years and have brought in over $250,000 from sponsored posts and content creation collaborations with brands so far. Social Scoop is the podcast where we teach entrepreneurial influencers to turn their online influence into a profitable, self-sustaining business. In today's episode, we're here with my fellow Charlottean, Ashlyn Greer, who is the owner of Digital Personal Styling Concierge, Fashively. Back in 2020, she decided it was time to take the plunge. You know, after 10 years in the fashion industry, she clearly had the expertise and knowledge to go in on this business solo. Fast forward to last summer and Fashively has a huge moment on TikTok. They absolutely blow up, you guys. And now Fashively is a team. It's no longer Ashlyn and her MacBook. (laughs) If TikTok were to randomly close one day, sure, her business might be a little slower. But for Fashively, she would still be able to have that income to rely on. And that is so freaking important. Don't you want to be able to say the same? Today, we're answering the big questions that all creators face. What kind of business can I create of my online influence to sustain myself off of these apps? How do I expand my influence? How would I reach my audience? What does it take to start a legitimate business? We're giving you the scoop here and now. This might be FF's is Social Scoop. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 23 of Social Scoop Podcast. I am so excited that you're here. Thank you for being here and for supporting Social Scoop, as well as myself personally. You know it means so much to me. I have a few pieces of news that I want to go through with you today, but before we dive into that, I did want to let you know that enrollment is almost close. We're almost at capacity for the Own Your Influence coaching program. This 10-week program will basically teach you how to turn your online influence into a more profitable, self-sustaining business because that's what all of us influencers want, right? We're spending so much time, energy, money on this social media stuff. Why would we not want to get something back out of it, right? So I will teach you not only how to work with brands and grow your page and build your community, but also to actually run a business, okay? Like there are so many different things you need to know in order to legitimately 
legally own a business and do it the right way. That's not going to cause you a ton of stress. I've been there myself with my current business as well as a previous business that I sold in the past for almost over $100,000. And so you could say I know a thing or two about owning a business. So I'm really excited to be able to help you out. We have a couple slots left. Maybe by the time this airs, they won't even be left. But if they are, get on it while they're still there because they will go quickly. So to give you a little bit of insight on what's going on in the world of social media this week, it's a light week, thankfully, but that means we have more time for our interview with Ashlyn today, who you guys are going to love. First things first, Instagram is working on adding the Reels tab to a location page. So for example, if you are going to Glossier in New York City, I don't know. It was just the first thing that came to my mind. It's a cool spot. There's a lot of videos I'm sure that people are posting at Glossier. Instead of just clicking on the location and seeing the posts that were tagged with that location, you'll actually see a separate section, hopefully pretty soon, that says reels and it will show you all the reels from that location. So you'll actually get to see things in motion, which I really love for locations because sometimes the photos just don't do it justice. So very excited. I hope that comes to life sometime soon. Second, Instagram is working on a tab in the profile that will collect all of the exclusive content for subscribers. So we have kind of been tearing um, apart this whole new subscriptions thing that Instagram is going to be fully releasing hopefully sometime soon. And this is kind of just a new working piece of how this will be working. So it seems what's going to happen here is that when you activate your subscriptions, meaning uh, people can sign up to subscribe to whatever it is you're providing them, you will get access to a tab on your profile where it says like photos, reels, video, tagged photos, all of those things there. And you'll be able to see a subscription or a subscribers tab there so that all subscriber exclusive content can live in one place. So if you've been kind of hearing about subscription and subscriptions and you're kind of like, uh, what is actually going on here? Um, this is starting to kind of like give us the full picture. I'm starting to understand a little bit more what I can expect from subscriptions and where I can expect to see them. So very excited about that. Also yesterday, so I'm recording this on the 31st because I'm actually heading out for vacation tomorrow, Um, but yesterday Instagram, or I'm sorry, TikTok did another push with TikTok stories. So a lot more people got stories as of yesterday on TikTok. If you want to check and see if you have it, you can hit the plus button like you're about to post a video and you will see a button that says quick, I believe it says. And that's where you can go to actually post a story. So if you have that, you do have stories. Also, the other way you can find out is if you see someone else's stories, which will be indicated by a blue ring around their profile photo, that means you have stories because if you do not have stories, you can't see stories as of right now. Kind of weird, but that's how you can check. I actually don't have it yet and I have such FOMO. I'm really, really excited to see what it's like and in what kind of, you know, people are watching my stories and things like that. Um, One thing that I have learned though is that it will go out onto the FYP. So just make sure that whatever you're sharing on your stories on TikTok is something you are comfortable with 
the world seeing potentially. <laughs> you never know with TikTok. Things blow up very easily. Last week, we also talked about how TikTok is going to be showing you history. So, for example, if you f- see a video and you're like, oh, man, like I saw that video last night and I can't find it again because you wanted to show it to your friend or something, uh, you will actually be able to go back in the history. So they didn't specify how long before, but we just got word that the history is going to be last seven days only. So if it was a video you found a couple weeks ago, unfortunately, you won't be able to go back that far. But last seven days is pretty good. So you'll be able to see any videos that you've watched in the last seven days. You also have the option to delete that history if you are a teenage boy looking at creepy things. Um, Anyway, don't know how many of us will be using that, but I can definitely see myself needing to go back in my history for a thing or two that I forgot about and wanted to show someone. So that is all of the news this week, you guys. There was not a lot going on. Honestly, I love these light weeks because it allows me to focus on the <laughs> updates that were happening in the last few weeks and actually implement some things that I wanted to do with them instead of having to worry about new updates because it seems like the second you catch up, you can't catch up anymore because there's something else that's new. So I love these light weeks. I hope that you guys do too. Today in our interview portion of the episode, we're going to be talking with Ashlyn Greer, who's a great friend of mine. She is incredible, and I love what we talk about in this episode about really bringing your influence off of social media and actually turning it into some sort of business that can sustain you if these apps ever stopped working. I think it's really worth thinking about. And especially with what happened with Social Mates Instagram, if you never heard, one day I went to log on to Social Mates Instagram and Instagram just deleted it. It was gone. And I tried so many different ways of contacting them to get it back. It's a lost cause. So the fact that your entire livelihood on an app can just one day not exist there anymore. I think it's a wake-up call and a really, really important thing to remember. If you make money here and that is your sole source of income, you have to find other ways to reach your audience or to monetize if something like that were to happen to you because it happened to me. And through experience, I don't want it to happen to anyone else. So listen to her words, get a pen and paper, and really start to think about what kind of side gig you might want to start or what other way can you reach your audience. This is probably one of my favorite parts of influencing is that we're able to do just so many amazing, make good business moves. So if you have trouble figuring out what should you do, send me a DM on Instagram. I would love to brainstorm with you. Like I said, this is like what brings me so much joy. So happy to help as always. My DMs are open. Enjoy the rest of this episode and I will see you guys soon. Okay, guys, I'm so excited to have my friend Ashlyn Greer here, who is an amazing stylist, but also had a lot of TikTok success. So she's going to have a ton of really, really great tips for us today. Get your pen and papers out. Ashlyn, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to be here. So glad social media brought us together. Yeah, we actually had like randomly met at some event, some like little event uh, where we made like little plant, uh, like a plant hole. Yeah, like little terrarium (laughs) thing. I don't know. It was cool. It was cool. But yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, this girl's cool. I need to hang out with her more. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, for anyone who doesn't know you, I would love to have you just start off by introducing yourself and what you do now. 
Yeah. So I actually worked in the fashion industry for about 10 years, took a couple years break from that. And I do online uh, personal styling. So think about something like a box subscription service where it's not actually personalized, no shade, but it's like jeans and t-shirt <laughs> in a box. And then something that's like an image consultant where you pay hundreds or thousands of dollars for. So we're kind of right in the middle of that. So you get full head to toe accessorized looks. We really help you curate your personal style and we do it all, all online. Yeah, it's amazing how many people just have really successful online businesses, which is definitely something that I want to talk a lot about today. Um, And I can actually speak from experience. Ashlyn actually did a personal styling session for me. And it was so cool because she gives you this PDF where it basically has like, it reminds me of Polyvore. You must have used Polyvore. Um, That was my shit. Oh my gosh. I'm so (laughs) sad that it doesn't exist anymore. For anyone who knows Polyvore, like you know what I'm what I'm talking about. But it's basically where she kind of like visually puts together the outfits, but there's also links there where you can purchase everything. Yeah. Um, you make it so easy. I think it's honestly such a genius business that I'm sure you're having a lot of success with now. Yes, it's been crazy. The last probably six months, honestly, it's really just kind of taken off. So it's been great. Yeah. So, okay, let's talk about that a little bit. So from what I understand from an outside perspective, your business was going great and everything, but TikTok is really what blew it up. So I want to hear, like, do you know exactly what video it was? Like, what was it about that video that blew it up? And then how has that really impacted your business today? Yeah. So I got on TikTok, I think it was last summer, honestly, late last summer, maybe early fall. Um, And I was trying a bunch of different social media platforms. You know, I was comfortable. I had one part-time employee, um, but was just trying a bunch of things just to see kind of what sticked and what stuck. And um, yeah, I was doing the whole trending sound thing at first on TikTok Mm -hmm. and, you know, wasn't really having a ton of success with that. And I randomly had... Um, it was a pair of jeans that I purchased from Abercrombie. Oh, I remember seeing this. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they were like one of the first low rise pairs of jeans that I'd worn in a long time. And I re- remembered because I'm a clothes hoarder that I had a pair in my closet <laughs> from like high school. Oh my and gosh. So I just compared them and just kind of like talked about sizing and th- and that video blew up. I mean, it had like over a million views. And I was like, okay, this is the thing that works for me. I hated talking to camera. Like that is not <laughs> something I'm still uncomfortable with it, to be honest. But I was like, this is the thing that people are resonating with. And I right. kind of just took off from there and really started talking about the things that I know about, which is like sizing and, you know, putting looks together and all that type of stuff. So that was kind of the, the catalyst point. And yeah, I mean, I, most of my new clients and new business are from TikTok. I mean, I've hired three part-time people like just from TikTok growth. So it's crazy. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Okay. Before we talk more about TikTok, I would like you to just explain what was different with the sizing with the Abercrombie jeans. Yeah. So we all probably had a similar experience in high school. If you grew up in like the nineties, early two thousands, like, you know what the girl looked like. And most of us are are not that girl. (laughs) No. No. And so it was just a huge, I mean, I just remember I'm a very small person and I remember being so upset trying on clothes and being a certain size in certain stores. Like Hollister was the worst. I was a five and I thought (laughs) that I was like huge, but yeah, just comparing the jeans 
the size too short. I had the exact same size and it was inches and inches and inches smaller. Crazy. So the, yeah. So the point the I was trying- The new ones were smaller? Or the, or no, the, the, the old older ones. ones. Okay, the okay. older ones were smaller. So the point I was trying to make is like, yes, vanity sizing is a thing, but in that time period of 2000s when Kate Moss was like it and that mm-hmm. was the ideal body type, it was like vanity sizing in the other direction. So if you had any sort of curves- hips, anything, you could not fit in their jeans. And it messed with all of our minds. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, like, let's just blame Abercrombie and Hollister for why we all are the way we are. (laughs) Which I have to say, they're amazing now. They're, like, way more size inclusive. Most of my jeans now are from them. Like, serious props. But they had a lot of, like, you know, changeover, Mm -hmm. entire new team, CEO, all that stuff. They're killing it now. But back then, yeah, a lot of us (laughs) have issues. Yeah, I was influenced by TikTok to get the Curve Love jeans, and I'm not kidding. They're my favorite jeans ever. I love them so much. Yeah, Yeah. they're great. (laughs) So, okay, TikTok obviously did a lot to grow your business. So do you have, now that you've kind of learned what kind of videos work for you and like what people like from you, do you have a specific strategy that you stick to with like hashtags or how much you're posting per day and all of that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, I do. I have to be honest that I struggle with sticking to it myself because it is really difficult (laughs) when you have a business and social media is, you know, just one part of it. I try to post three times a day, usually like six days a week. Um, And like I said, that absolutely does not always happen at all. But that's that's my goal. I start with every day. Um, and hashtag wise, I, I don't really overthink that too much. And mm-hmm. I know like I, I keep up with everything that, that you post and just seeing a lot of, you know, the information out there. I definitely post two to three hashtags on TikTok specifically, Yeah. but I, I mean, it's a very quick, like little search that I do right before I post it. Um, I'm really focused on, like, I feel like I know now the type of content that my audience interacts with and likes and that will, you know, get me new followers and new clients. Right. So I really focus on that first. And then I do still do some of the, like, little trending type sounds and stuff just because they're fun. They're fun. Yeah. And posting three a day, you have to have, like, a mix of that. There's no way that you can have totally original, you know, explaining something or show, you know, educational type content. Exactly. Yeah, it's a lot. It's definitely a lot. So with your videos that you're trying to do three times a day, is this something like you usually, you know, at the beginning of the week are saying, these are all the videos I want to make for the week? Do you record them the same day? Like, what is your actual process for planning and then executing look like? Yeah, I'm trying to get in a better planning process. Um, Most of TikTok, I feel like it's probably a mix of planned out. So I have just a notes Mm -hmm. app on my phone of different ideas. And there's probably 10 in there at all times to kind of pull from. And those are more so the actual thought out like, okay, you know, today, for instance, I've known for the last five days that I need to make a TikTok about spring shoe trends. And this is the purpose for it. I'm going to, you know, push people to my email newsletter list because Mm -hmm. I'm going to be posting all of that tomorrow with all of the links to that. Um, And then the ones that are more so that I'll just pick my phone up and see something cute and, you know, record it myself. I just do those in real time usually every day. Yeah. I I don't really use my drafts a lot. I know that that's not great. I could be so much more organized. And like I said, that's I have somebody that's that's coming on soon to help me with that, but it's very yeah. run and gun right now. 
Honestly, I don't think that's the worst thing because I feel like a lot of people get tripped up on planning because they feel like they have to plan so far in advance. Yeah. I used to do that for TikTok. For Instagram, I still do plan a little bit in advance. I'm probably a week, maybe two weeks in advance for Instagram. TikTok is like, I typically, same thing, have a list of things that I choose from. And then I've been recording all three of my videos at the beginning of every day. and. It's just been part of my process and, you know, like it's habit at this point. And I actually feel like it works a little bit better because, again, like it is more in the moment and it feels less planned. Yeah. Um, So I don't think it's the worst thing. You know, if you have that as your process and it works for you, like I don't think you have to batch create a whole month's worth of TikTok videos at once. That's really hard to do. Yeah, especially with how quickly trends come and go on there, I feel like. Mm -hmm. You know, same thing Instagram. I'm a little bit more planned out. You know, I have an amazing – photographer that's a friend and um, someone that's a producer and a stylist and we plan out our shoots and we shoot a ton of branding content and really plan out Instagram a little bit more better than than TikTok. Yeah, exactly. I feel like Instagram takes a little bit more planning or maybe things will shift with that because I know that TikTok is obviously so casual and everything. Mm -hmm. Instagram is way more planned but yes. maybe that will shift I feel like it you know TikTok is definitely impacting the way that people use Instagram as well yeah absolutely I'm not mad about it I'm not <laughs> mad neither. about casual content it's less pressure <laughs> you know it feels feels more more fun and free, yeah which I love yeah so uh does a TikTok video in your opinion have to have some sort of value to go viral and by value I don't mean like it has to be educational, you know, like it could be entertaining, inspirational or educational, whatever. But do you feel like it has to have like some focus in the video in order to go viral? 1000%. I will say the things like Mardi Gras cup guy or, you know, though you can't yeah. manufacture that. Like some <laughs> things are just going to be right, random, right. but Yes, 100%. I, f- I mean, even with me, the more just trending sound videos, again, like, I'll maybe if I'm lucky get 10,000 views on that, but I will rarely get any followers, any new yeah. clients from that. It's never it's never the thing that gets traction, if that makes sense. So I guess uh, it yeah. just depends on what your goals are. Right. Like if you want views, trends are are great, but they don't always translate. That's a very good point. That's a really good point. Uh, Do you feel like virality is overrated? Oh, that's tough. I think (laughs) yes and no. Again, I think it just depends on what your goal is. I mean, like for me, if I'm trying to grow a business, like I have to have those viral videos. Like it's a necessity for my business because that's how I'm getting new clients now. You know, that's like my number one marketing tool. Um, but you know, it's, I I think it's, it's just different for everybody. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like sometimes like everyone wants a viral video, you know, like I don't think anyone goes into creating videos being like, I want this to get a thousand True. views while we're like, True. we want this to blow up. Like, I'm working so hard on this video. Like, this is going to hit so hard, you know? Yeah. Everyone wants a viral video, but I feel like sometimes it happens and you're like, I gained like seven followers. You yep. know, you're like, okay, yep. that wasn't really that exciting. But I think in your situation where your business is so focused and like you're very specific in a in a niche of fashion, yeah. you know, like that is an easy way for you to translate. But I think it's the people who have like a bunch of stuff that they talk about that yeah. probably have a harder time with viral videos actually translating to followers or even go to go further customers. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. Um, I was just talking to someone about this the other day and I was like, I really don't even care if my videos go viral because I really feel like in my experience, at least me just consistently posting really valuable videos, I'm consistently gaining followers that actually care about what I'm talking about, you know? Yep. That's a good point too, is that like incremental growth versus an explosion type thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, honestly, it's almost better to have a little bit more incremental and just slowly grow a community. And yeah, I mean, from my perspective too, like the few times that I've had something go viral, it's so overwhelming for me from the business perspective and it's great and it's exciting. But I mean, I just had that happen the other day and I'm like, holy shit, like, I don't know what I'm going to do the next two weeks. So what does that look like for you when you have a viral video? Like, are you just getting like a ton of like, I don't know if you call them orders or like inquiries. Like, what do you see when you have a viral video? So I normally, I mean, I'll I'll explain the exact process that happened two days ago. I was still on a little bit of a vacation. I took the first vacation I've taken in a year. And it was the last day and I pulled up my email and all of a sudden I have like, I think seven or eight new orders and I'm like all at one time and I'm like, oh my God, it's something like happened. it's something, something's <laughs> happening. So I go on TikTok and I see someone that is so awesome. She um, found me on TikTok through another video and she posted like a two part, um, you know, little video series about working with me. And it just like kept coming and I was almost like scared to wake up the next morning. (laughs) And that's like, it's exactly what happened. Like my email is like, I mean, I'm had like 45 new clients just from, you know, her posting that one video, which is amazing. It's awesome. But now it's like, okay, I've got to put my head down and figure out like, how do I transition to this next phase of growth? Like, is this just a little two week thing or is this going to keep happening like some of the others did? So yeah, it's, it's interesting. (laughs) TikTok is so powerful, but also like that is so scary. You're so right. You like don't know what's coming around the corner, but you just have to be prepared for whatever it is. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. So it's hard because like sometimes that can make or break your business. Like what if you have a thousand orders? Like how, you know, you would not even know what to do with it at once. You'd be like, what the heck do I even do? Like I just, it's so scary to think about those things. I actually was talking to Andrew about this not too long ago. I was like, I don't think I would ever want to have a million followers. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like it would just be so, like, I would feel so much pressure. I already feel so much pressure and I'm like, you know, a little fish in the big sea. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that thing of like knowing, you know, okay, is this, do I need to hire another person now? Right. four of us right now, everybody's part-time besides me, obviously. It's like, do I need to make that next step or do I need to figure out, you know, a couple things that have helped in the past is like, how can I streamline my process? How can I, you know, be smarter or quicker about how I'm doing this? So it's kind of forcing me to figure out how to grow. Um, But yeah, like you said, I mean, there's been times in the past, I think the first time this happened back in November, I questioned whether I should just turn off my website for a couple days like not you know because I couldn't handle it and then I told I'm like no like this is what I want to happen eventually and I'm just gonna roll with it and I'm gonna figure out how to make it happen and if I die in the process (laughs) (laughs) then it is what it is yeah (laughs) yeah that's I think one of the most valuable lessons as a small business owner I guess two things first of all it's just like you have to learn to adapt Mm -hmm. no matter what happens like a lot of the times you don't know it's gonna happen and then it just happens and you're like oh shit I have to figure this out yeah that like those are the best learning experiences 
But also that idea of like you didn't turn off your website and you were like, whatever happens, happens. Like I'm yeah. going to try and roll with this. Yep. I remember building my business when I had like a physical business when I lived in Massachusetts and my motto was always just like, well, let's try it and see what happens. Let's yeah. try and see what happens. And then, you know, before we knew it, we were like, wow, I'm glad we tried that because yeah. we wouldn't have gotten where we were today. So it's cool that you didn't turn off your website because who knows? It could have been a totally different story. Yep. It could have been. It could have just totally tanked everything. <laughs> and I mean, who knows? Who knows? Exactly. Exactly. So getting started as a small business owner, so especially like a digital small business yeah. owner, I know a lot of influencers listening or content creators listening they know that social media is not going to be here forever. I think we all know that or it's going to be, but maybe it's going to be just very different than it is now. So obviously finding ways to transition what we love to do here and what we're already doing on Instagram, TikTok, whatever, transitioning to that in something that's a sustainable business that's going to be profitable for us in case something happens. Like Instagram could die tomorrow. Like we never know. So how did you, I know you've had your business before you went viral and obviously everything on TikTok, but like, how did you figure out how to set up an online business and, and how did you kind of like go about that whole process? Yeah. So I was in a place where I knew I wanted to start something. I just didn't know what that was. So I'd actually mm-hmm. quit my job in 2020 because I knew I wanted to start something, which is crazy. Like probably Scary. one of the craziest things <laughs> I've ever done. Um, And I spent like six months just researching and brainstorming and trying to figure out what it was that I wanted to do. And I think there's, this is a little different, but I think there's a lesson in this. I actually had a friend that reached out to me and asked me to style her. And that is how this started. So it wasn't anything that I concepted or came up with on my own. Um, And I was trying to figure out, okay, it's still high COVID times. How can I do this without actually physically, you know, being there? And I pulled some of what I knew in the past. So the decks and the kind of things I use, it is very polyvore. It's also similar to what I used to use to present looks to my boss or to buyers before we would do a photo shoot to kind of get approval on the styled out looks. Um, And also to, you know, give to the stylist on set so they knew exactly what accessories go with everything. So I think two things that you can learn from that is just listen to your audience and your audience can be your friends. It can be your family. It can be, you know, anybody because people look at you through a certain lens and know you as something. Um, And, you know, again, it's thinking about what you have experience. And I know that there's examples of this that, you know, people started out in a totally new industry and they had insane success because they didn't know the rules. But I think more times than not, it's what you know and what you're best at and what you know the most about. Like I think about that with TikTok a lot. There is absolutely no other topic on this planet that I could just turn on my camera and talk about yep. for hours and never run out of things to say, never run out of content ideas. And I feel like everyone has one thing like that. 100%. If you really think about it or have somebody say, hey, what do you think I'm an expert in? So. Right. And sometimes it does take talking to other people because – Again, I think sometimes it's hard for you to just like, you know, other people see your beauty and you don't see your beauty. It's the same kind of thing. Like other people might recognize what you're really good at and you may just think it's like, oh, like, I I don't know. I just do it. But like Mm -hmm. you don't realize you're you're just doing it because it comes so easy to you because you're good at it. So it does take sometimes just talking to outside people and finding out like – you know, oh, like you're kind of on to something here. Even for me with Social Mate, like I had no intention of starting a business like this, Absolutely. but I was just getting so many questions and I was yep. like, oh, okay. <laughs> 
maybe people I'm are looking to me for this, this already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Um, when you were deciding to leave your business, obviously your, your job, you know, leaving your career that's very safe and comfortable mm-hmm. and steady income and everything for something that you have literally no idea, first of all, what it is yeah. or when you find it, if it's going to work. Yeah. Like, what was that process like for you? Did you go into it with like savings ready to go? Like, at what point did you realize like, okay, I'm just going to quit and do this? Yeah, it definitely was a long process to do that. And let me be clear, I do not recommend that for anyone. (laughs) The only reason, (laughs) the only reason that I made that decision for myself is I am very much a workaholic and I love to work. And I am someone who is 100% in whatever I'm in. Yeah. And I had this realization, you know, probably like fall of 2019. Like if I'm ever going to start a business, I can't do it while I'm working somewhere else. And for most people, you know, I have all these friends that are doing all these side hustles and all these things. And it's just not how I'm made up. Um, so when I made that kind of realization, you know, talked to my husband about it, we made a lot of lifestyle changes. We moved into a much smaller, cheaper place. Right. We started saving up, um, all in preparation for, you know, this thing to happen. And then obviously COVID hit and I was so terrified, like absolutely terrified. Yeah. And, you know, also just the fact of like people are losing their jobs. Like how can I quit my job in the midst of this. It feels very selfish. It feels very, um, you know, I don't want to leave my team. So I kind of put that off for a few more months and then finally realized like, this is actually something that I'm supposed to do. And I have to just make this jump and figure it out. Yeah. I love that. It's you take the risk on yourself, you know, and and in so many situations, it's the scariest thing you'll ever do, but you could literally still be at that other job right now, you know, like, and it doesn't sound like you hated the job. No, That's I good. loved it. I, yeah. That was so hard. I loved my team. <laughs> it was literally the most gut-wrenching thing that I've ever had to do. And I almost didn't do it. And I'm, yeah. I'm so glad I did looking back on it. But yeah. It's so scary. It's so it's scary. Crazy. But it's so it's awesome that you, you believed in yourself enough to do it. So when you figure it out, like, okay, obviously styling and, you know, like having me – be a personal stylist digitally, like I'm on to something here. How did you know like exactly what offer and like how did you figure out price points and like logistics of how you were going to present this? Yeah. I mean, it was a long process and it was a lot of trial and error, even with pricing. I mean, I started yeah. out very, very low and, you know, the feedback I got from every single person was like, you need to be charging more. You need, I still get that. Most people say you need to be charging more. I agree. <laughs> um, and, and I so agree with you too. The only reason the price is what it is, is I have a very long-term big picture plan for where Good. I want the business to be. And the pricing that I have now lines up with what that is, not necessarily what it is now. Right. So yeah. But I mean, again, it's a lot of trial and error, a lot of trying to refine processes Um, and I did things very incrementally. So when I first started out, I mean, literally Instagram DM was my only source of communication. I didn't communicate with people over email. So crazy. I literally was asking people to Venmo me their payments. And I mean, there's so many things I cringe when I think about it because I knew it was very, just not a great user experience. But I knew at that point, like if I'm having strangers reach out to me now and are willing to pay me over Venmo and I'm sending them like a Google Doc link, like Google (laughs) Doc with the links to their looks that they're having to search through and find things like, okay, this is probably something because people are going through all these hurdles, you know, in order to do it. So I just, you know, figured it out as I went and 
you know, grew a little bit more and a little bit more. And finally, like, okay, I need to actually spend some money, invest in the real tools that I know I need and um, actually launch. Yeah. And that's a, uh, you bring up a good point of the trial and error, but also like not going into it thinking I have to do it perfectly now. Like I think so many people hold off on launching their businesses because it's not perfect, but like newsflash, it is literally never going to be perfect. I mean, like we've both been at our businesses for years now and I'm sure every single day you're finding something, okay, we're going to do it this way. Okay. We're going to do it this way. And there's still things I'm embarrassed about to this day. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not ready for the next thing that I know I want and need to do, but like I have to live in this period right now because it's what I can do. Yeah. Yeah. I I went through the same process um, years ago. Again, when I lived in Massachusetts, I got my start doing photography for like weddings, high school, high school seniors and all that. My first senior session, I charged $20. Oh my God. I literally, I like had like a shitty camera that my mom just like happened to have. I had no idea what I was doing before I knew it. I was charging $500 a session. Yeah. But like, I had no idea. I started off low to like feel out, see what people felt comfortable with. I definitely didn't get it right the first time with social me either. Like, I was again. I was doing Venmo for, up yeah. until like tw- sometime in 2020. Yeah, I same. had just Venmo payments, and again, people were paying me, so I was like, okay, I might be onto something yeah. here. But moral of the story is like, you have to go through all of that trial and error. It is not going to be perfect the first time. Absolutely. No. Not. And I think you know, if you start out investing a ton of money in something, again, yeah, it works for some people. If you don't have a ton of money saved up or someone backing you it's not the smartest thing. Like if you have yeah. to pivot and totally change, you've already invested all this money, all this, you know, into everything. And it's going to be a lot more painful to kind of back out and try something right. else if you're, if you're already in that far. Yeah, exactly. Cause then you'll be in debt and it will be way harder to do anything yes. else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's like, um, I, I'm a big shark tank watcher. I literally watch it every night before bed. I'm obsessed. And they always say like, you have to have proof of concept before yep. you're going to be investing money like that. Yes. You know, like they ask people, Oh, how much money do you have in the business? And they're like, Oh, we've, uh, put through, put in uh, $200,000. And they're like, and you haven't even gone to market yet. Like, yes. how do you think that's going to work? Like, that's crazy. You definitely like, you have to just grind at first and do find like the cheap resources, find what you yeah. have to do, just get it out there. And then yeah. in- incrementally, I think you're right. Slowly making improvements. Yeah. See what works. Exactly. Exactly. So obviously you were saying like you have someone coming on to help with the social media and stuff. Um, right now, how are you balancing the two? Obviously it is a lot of work. Social media for a lot of people is literally the full-time job. A hundred percent. Yeah. So like, what does that look like for you? Do you ever get overwhelmed? Uh, yes, all the time. Like constantly. Dumb question, constantly. Kristen. No, but I mean, it, it's true. I think I probably don't talk about it. I mean, my husband knows because, you oh, know, yeah. every night or once a week, I'm like, I can't do this. I'm not yeah. smart enough. I can't, you know, all the things. Yeah, I suck. Everything yes, sucks. Everything sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's the biggest <laughs> imposter syndrome. And I think it's too just realizing, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm trying a lot to give myself a break and realizing how much I am doing every day. Yes. I recently started committing to taking one day off a week, which is a good thing, obviously. <laughs> one day is, yep. is better than none. I'll one take day it. <laughs> is better than none. Giving myself one day off a week and just cutting myself some slack. Like I think social media, unfortunately, is the thing that falls off 
first for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been in a bad cycle before where, you know, like I said, I'll get through this big backlog of clients and then I'm look up and I'm like, oh shit. Okay. Next week we only have X amount of clients. I've got to post on social. I've got to, you know, get right. back in a cadence. So I'm trying to get in a better just rhythm um, of that and not letting that be the thing that falls off immediately and just right. trying to keep things balanced a little bit better. Yeah. I think it's really scary when your business's success in a way does depend on social media. Yeah. I mean, my 100%. paycheck comes exclusively from social media. So yeah. it's like, it's very scary because if, again, like if something, you know, if Instagram dies tomorrow mm-hmm. or if your videos are just like never hitting anymore, like it's, it's really scary. So like, do you have any other avenues of kind of like, you know, how would you get customers without social media? Yeah. I mean, I have so many clients at this point that I I do get a lot of repeat yeah. business. You know, we have a subscription plan, which is awesome. Um, I've built up my email newsletter. So I do have other avenues. But again, Good. it's, you know, it's comfortable with that. But it's the thing where like, I want to keep growing and I want to keep getting bigger. Yes. And social media is the thing that gets me new clients. We are starting... Um, paid ads. We've got a few out there. And so we're starting to kind of like experiment with that. Again, like I'm so blessed to have so many friends that are just experts (laughs) in their own fields that are willing to, you know, help me figure all of this out, the things that I'm I'm not skilled in. Um, So we're, you know, playing around with that. But yeah, I think it's just, it's a mix of a little bit of everything, but social media is the number one, you know, marketing tool. Yeah. And I think that's so true. Um, you know, just for most digital businesses this day, like you can't really be a digital business without being on social media and doing well on social media, you know? Um, Obviously, like I know we've worked together and things like that. What is your, what is your experience working with influencers as a brand who is, you know, you're a startup, you're in the beginning stages. Like so many influencers would love to work with a brand like you, but I'm sure you're not working with a budget of, oh, I can pay you a thousand dollars. So how do you navigate that? And like, what is the perspective from a business? You know, cause there's a lot of influencers listening, but sometimes they don't really get to hear what it's like on your end. Yeah. I mean, just perspective with startup things. I would love to have every single even just from a friend perspective, every single friend that I have that's an influencer, you know, be posting. But it's so tough asking people. I I do not like asking people to do things for free. And unless someone offers that to me, um, you know, I I try to pay someone at least something. Like I tell people all the time, like you should be getting paid a thousand dollars or whatever for this. And like, I want to get there. Like, I know you're doing this as a friend, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just, I don't know. It's, it's so tough. I think just reaching out and offering what you can and having a good attitude about it, you know, from the brand perspective. It's true. No, it's true. And I think too, it's, it's tough for me to see brands that are, you know, making millions and millions and millions of dollars and offering absolutely nothing. It's like, you can afford to pay people. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) you You can afford to do that. And I get it from a a cost perspective. There's a million things that you have to think about expense wise. Of course. And I mean, I do too. And that's why I don't, I, I'm not doing something every week with someone because I can't afford to do that. Right. But you know, a couple times a year, really focusing in on, okay, what are the, what are a few people that I love their content? 
I really want to work with them um, and offering what you can. And so for me, a lot of times that is like free style guide, maybe, you know, paying for an outfit from the style guide for them, plus a little bit of cash um, and really just having like an open conversation with people and telling them where you're at. Yeah. Transparency. Yeah, totally. It's very important. hundred percent. So if like, for example, an influencer is like, Ooh, okay. This sounds like a company I really want to work with. Do you feel like, you know, they should be obviously starting to build a relationship with you before they even start thinking about pitching to you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, again, if you're not even like following us on social media or I cannot <laughs> something like Come that, on. it's it's kind of weird, right? I mean, and it's again, so weird. I can get it with maybe larger brands because it's like you know they have a budget and you know they whatever. Right. But we're a team of four people, and it's you know, come on, yeah. Go, but, be but, realistic. Yeah. Be realistic. But I do think, <laughs> I mean, there's so many people that have found me and the account on TikTok and have reached out and said, oh my gosh, love yeah. your videos. Like I would love to do something together. And nine times out of 10, it's a yes. You know, if they're reaching out right. and, and just, just wanting to, to work together from that. Right. Yeah. No, that's really good insight. Cause again, I just feel like so many influencers don't really understand it from a brand perspective because, yeah. like, they're thinking, well, like, I'm not doing anything if I'm not getting paid. But right. I think there are certain situations as influencers where we can make exceptions for that. Like, I personally never do anything unless it's paid. But, like, yeah. when we wanted to work together, I yep. was like, this is my friend. Like, I want to yes. actually help her out. And yep. Also, I think about, like, what goes into creating the content. It's not like I had to, like, go out and rent a studio and yes. drive and bring all my stuff. Like, you know, I was just like, is this going to be easy for me? If yep. so, like, I don't mind doing it, yeah. whatever. And you work out, you make it work for whatever makes sense for you and yeah. the brand. You yeah. Know? And it's all about relationships too at the end yeah. of the day, whether it's like you actually know someone and you have a relationship with them right. or whether it's building up that relationship via social media over time with that brand And, you know, I think for a lot of bigger brands, it is like they've got to see that you're consistently there. They've got to see that you're supporting them in whatever way that is. Um, But yeah, it's all about relationships. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't like people overthink it so much, you know, like it really just comes down to like be a good person, make it make sense. Like show the brand you're actually interested. It it shouldn't be as complicated as people make it, you know, like just like a normal everyday outside of social media relationship. Absolutely. Put the work in. So, okay, as a business owner who is just like you're hustling all day, what are some of your must-have business tools or resources that maybe you use the most getting started, Yeah. but then maybe also some things that you use now? Yeah. I mean, I think getting started it is like anything and everything that is free. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, honestly. <laughs> yeah, you can... I guarantee you, you can find a free version of whatever you need to do True. for your business. Um, I used MailChimp in the beginning yep. because it was free. And then th- probably one of the biggest tools I use now, I don't use it every day, but Flowdesk Love is like, Flowdesk. I will shout Gorgeous. them from the rooftops. Like, it's amazing. All you have to do is bring the content and the design already is amazing. Like, it's, it's, it's an so email easy. platform for anybody that's not familiar with it, but it's great. It's it's amazing. I love them. Um, QuickBooks is one thing that I did invest in um, kind of early on. It's like 20 mm-hmm. bucks a month. And I'm telling you, it has been like the biggest lifesaver um, whenever it's yeah. time to do taxes. It's you just connect it to your credit card. 
Um, you categorize your expenses as they come up on your credit card. And when it's tax season time, you literally just hit a button, send it to your accountant, and it's done instead of going through a massive box of receipts or, or yeah. whatever you do. That is worth the $20 a month. Oh, and $20 <laughs> sure. a month for that is is, is nothing, nothing compared to if you were to bring it to an accountant. And do oh, it. yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. For sure. For sure. And then when you start growing, you know, I use QuickBooks for payroll now, yeah. um, which is great. Um, what's another one? Squarespace. Like, oh, Squarespace. Yeah, yeah, Squarespace. Again, like there's so many different pricing platforms for that. Yeah. Um, if you're a product-based business, service-based business, one thing that I invested in kind of towards the beginning of launching was uh, a web designer and a graphic yeah. designer. And having, you know, purchasing a template from a web designer is going to look very different than either building something custom that's going to be thousands and thousands of dollars or going right. with one of the free template versions. Um, and there's just so many tools on there. Analytics. I mean, it's it's a great, amazing platform um, for any small business. Yeah, 100%. I know when I first started Social Me, I wanted to have some good branding too. And I was like, I can throw something together on like Canva or whatever and like make it work. Yeah. But I was like, this is really what's going to like People are going to see it first. It's the yeah. first impression. So I went on Etsy and I found a girl who did the entire branding package for $200. Yeah. I was like, I would have paid someone else $1,500, $2,000 yeah. to do this. Yeah. Um, and, but $200, I was just like, done, sister. Like, that's, I can do that. Yeah. But even now, I, a couple of years later, we're two years, three years later. I don't know. Um, I'm now just investing in like better branding and yep. I'm, actually investing the real money in it now but at first you know you can find those affordable options again totally. like you said, there's a free version of everything or a very inexpensive version of the things that are important yeah absolutely yeah branding is another one that you know I wrestled with that at the beginning do I yeah. pay someone to do a full branding package while I'm still figuring out what the brand is I have a little bit of experience in that myself yeah. Um, so I kind of just had, you know, some friends that are graphic designers help me with some of the other, you know, actually more design pieces. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of did it myself and with those people. So it was kind of yeah. one of those things where it's like, okay, let's figure out something that feels right right now while we're still experimenting with the brand and what its identity is. And again, you know, probably in a couple of years, we'll, you know, actually go for the full, yeah. the full thing. But yeah, it's, exactly. it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> so uh what would you say has been this is a tough question what would you say has been the hardest part about owning a business I'm sure there are a million things oh, but man. the hardest part the hardest part honestly is probably the imposter syndrome I don't think I was ready for that I'm a mm -hmm. very confident person in a work environment yep. and I mean it is unreal the amount of just vulnerability that yeah. I felt in the last year and a half. Um, and I've kind of had to switch, you know, my mindset around that of not leading with confidence because I don't really have that anymore. <laughs> I'm having to lead with, I think you said it before, of like, I'm just going to do it anyway. And if I look yeah. dumb and if I fail and things don't work out, then at least, you know, I've tried. And so yeah. that's kind of my, that's kind of my mantra that I use to get over that whenever I'm you know, feeling it, but right. yeah, imposter syndrome. I just wasn't ready for it. 
But I think you saying, like, I am just going to try it and see mm-hmm. what happens, like, I feel like that does take confidence, you know, because, like, so many people would be like, oh, I'm not trying it. I can't do it. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, you have true. to have some sort of confidence. So I, I think it totally is confidence. Yeah, it's um, it's down in there somewhere. So. Yeah, it's hiding. It's hiding. It's yeah. There. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. Imposter syndrome. It's crazy because, like, you think like, you know, people probably look at your business or look at my business and say like, wow, they seem like they have it all together. Like everything looks great. They're doing a great job. They must be, you know, like they do not realize that like even the people with the most successful businesses, CEOs who are making millions and billions of dollars probably still have moments where they're like, what the heck am I doing? This is horrible. I have to try something else. Like I need to fix this. I need to change this. Like I think it's inevitable as a business owner, you have to just get comfortable with the rejection, with the, you know, feelings of I'm not good enough or I'm not doing a great job. Like, I don't think it ever goes away. No. And I think looking back to like, once you've had like a little bit of time in it, realizing, okay, I didn't think that I had what it took in that level. And right. like, I got through that and I'm at this one now. So I have to remember yep. the level after this, when I'm feeling the same way, like I don't have what it takes. Like, okay, right. you made it through all those other ones where you felt the same way. So Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Keep looking back at where you came from. Yeah. So at the end of every episode, I open the floor to my guests to ask me any one question. So let's hear what your question is. Okay. This one's kind of tough. Okay. <laughs> but if you had to pick one specific type of content that you were only going to make that type of content for the next six months what would it be? So you've got to think about what you love to do, what actually performs for you and a little bit of forecasting of like, okay, where do I think, you know, trends or whatever are going to what's, you know, going to perform well. If I had to answer that right at this moment, I would say video. And I don't know if that's not specific enough, but between TikTok and Reels, yeah. I would say short form video. Yeah. Um, obviously I think short form videos the most popular right now. Yeah. But just the versatility that you have with short form video. Like if I had said photos, I would be so screwed because like how I can only do so much with yeah. that. You can't do trends. You yeah. can't really educate unless people are going to read. Like I think there's a lot of limitations, but with video, like you can talk, you can show things, you can do things. Like I mean you can do anything on video. Yeah. And again, I think in terms of performance, like for me, actually in the last couple of months, my reels have been performing better than they ever have since I started posting That's them. That's awesome. I finally found a format and like a type of content that people really like. Yeah. And so I'm going to stick with that until yeah. it dies down and then I figure something, figure else, something out. else out. That's great. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Definitely reels for sure or short form video. Yeah. Um, amazing. So this was so much fun. So for anyone who wants to learn a little bit more about you and your business, so where would we find all of your platforms. <laughs> yeah. So it's fashionably on everything. So F-A-S-H-I-V-L-Y on Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, um, fashionably.com for our website. If you want to read more about our process, how we do things, book with us all there. Yes. Yes. And I would absolutely recommend from personal experience, if you're looking for any help with styling, you definitely have to go check her out with her services because she does a great job. Amazing job. All right, girl. Well, thank you so much. This was amazing. I hope everyone learned something. And yeah, reach reach out to Ashlyn if you need anything uh, from her. I'm sure she's an open book. Great. Thank you so much. (laughs)
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope that you loved every minute. If you learned something new, drop us a review and let us know what you learned. If you hear something in this episode that you want to chat about more, definitely send me a message on Instagram at yoursocialmate or kbusk. See you next week.